Greetings from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota. Our goal for this radio broadcast is that you might grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the goal for everything that we do, whether it's our 9 a.m. Sunday school, our 10.30 worship, or our men's and women's Bible studies. If there's any way that we can help you grow further in your relationship with Jesus, please do not hesitate to contact us. We pray that this would bless you. And that's a little bit too intimate there, Doc. Will you please rise out of honor of God's word. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. And I'll call our deacons up after we're done with our scripture reading. Well, Lindy's already up here. but That's found on page 1,245 in your Black Pew Bible, 1,382 in the Faith Alive Bible. They read in Jesus' name. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Let us pray. Father, as we come to you today to talk about marriage, to talk about baptism, to talk about communion, to talk about the marriage retreat, Lord, we ask that your spirit would be at work in us, leading us and guiding us into your truth. Lord, your word is truth and guide us as we reveal that through the experiences and the understandings that we have. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You might be you may be seated. Two, three. I don't need one. What you mean you're not talking? <laughs> <laughs> so this last weekend, Jason, Lindy, and Doug, and their wives too, um, all of their wives declined to come up for some reason. It's like they don't like being the center of attention as much as these guys, uh, which is surprising when it comes to grace, but no. <laughs> um, and so, but they're going to talk about their experience, thoughts, um, I guess I kind of left it open for them to share how God is working in them according to the marriage conference and in their marriage and those sorts of things. So I guess I don't know which one of you guys wants to start. Well, I'd ask you to take out your Bibles. Is that on? I think so. And one of the things that struck me was that we talk about marriage being either a contract or a covenant, and they talk about that at the ceremony, at the, at the getaway. And I'm sitting there, and I realize that I take my wife for granted. And, well, my wife chose me, right? No. No, God chose my wife for me. And so... What I would like you to do is I have a, a couple things to just to mention and if, 
If you turn to Proverbs 18, uh, verse 22, and it says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to talk, because I need my other hand to, if you, uh, sorry. Jason, hold the mic for me. Thank you. Good job, Doug. <laughs> so what I want to do is I want to look at a commentary that talks about that. And it also talks about Genesis. And I have to put my cheaters back on. And it's a one by David Gusick. And it's much better that I could than what I could say. Because we don't really think about Genesis too much in marriage. Um, and I'm sorry it's taking so long to scroll. I think, here, I'll keep this one. So if you look at... Okay. Genesis 21, 25. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept... And he took one of his ribs and showed up in the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God has taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. God brought together the first husband and wife in Genesis. In this, God gave marriage between a man and a woman as a gift to humanity, both as a whole and a blessing on an individual level. Marriage with all its troubles and embarrassments is a blessing from God. There are a few cases where a wife of any sort is not better than none. As to good wives and bad wives, well, they're relatively so in general, but most of them have been that have been bad afterwards have been good at first. And we all know that the best things may deteriorate in a marriage, but the world generally allows that where there are matrimonial contentions, there are faults on both our sides. In Genesis, God said that it was not good for us as men to be alone. And that's a good thing not to be alone. His gift of Eve, or you could look at your wives, his gift to Eve to Adam was a demonstration of God's favor. And I hope one of the gentlemen, and, or Joe, is going to talk about God's favor. And he still gives the gift of favor. In the modern Western world, the cultural incentives for marriage seems to be weaker year by year. But God's declaration of good and the giving of his favor doesn't depend on cultural incentives. So my thing would be is remember that you have a gift. That's your wife. That's all I have to say. Wow, that's a bunch. So in adding to that, I'd like you to look at your spouse and repeat after me. I'm glad that God chose you for me. I'm glad that God chose you for me. <laughs> Even in my weakness. Even in, Even my, in my weakness. And in my faults. And in my, in my faults. God gave you to me. God gave, God gave you, you to me. me. And give him a big hug. <laughs> that doesn't end with an I'm sorry, does it? <laughs> <laughs> no, because, I mean, saying you're sorry happens every day. And I guess when you say it with meaning, is that really what's happening? I mean... 
Um, I guess that's what, you know, looking forward to the weekend, I wasn't sure what to expect. I guess we had been to one 25 or 30 years ago, and so this was kind of a uh, a renew, <laughs> if you can say 25 or 30 years. But anyway, to take time to take time with your spouse and to appreciate who they are is very important to do on uh, not just on special occasions but every day if you can remember it's important to do cuz time by time flies by so fast <laughs> Yeah, Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Lord will, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snares of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and tend, tender his wings you will find refuge his faithfulness is a shield and a buckler you will not fear the uh, terror of the night nor the arrows that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday a thousand may fall at your side ten thousand at your right hand it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. Amen. You know, as we sat there and we, and we, and we talked about the weekend, I don't think there was... There was a lot of times it was very moving, some of the stuff that was being talked about. We listened to a lot of speakers talk about some of the personal struggles that they've been through, um, a, lot of, a lot of biblical reference to some of what it is. Um, there was, I think the hardest part sometimes for me is, is um, trying to answer the call that, that I feel like is placed on me, or that I know is placed on me as, as a... As a as the man in, in, in the, so we wouldn't look at, um, if we think about that on ourselves, how hard is it for us to want to submit to Christ? When we look at how Christ treats us, is it hard when, when someone's loving us like that to really want to submit to, to Christ as, as what he's asking us to do? It's not. You know, Christ isn't mean to us. He's not treating us poorly. He's just asking us to do what, what, what's there. You know, so as we talk about, we look at that, Christ really is, and it talks about it biblically, um, he is showing us what marriage should look like. He is submitting to his Father, and he's doing that through love and through reverence with that. And men, we are called to submit to Christ in that same fashion. And we're, 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 we should be exemplifying that, that love to our wives so that they want to submit to us. And it, it is not... Um, and it, it is so. It is so. It seems so so simple to do, and it, yet at the same time, it can be um, challenging. You know, I look at 
you know, there's a lot of reference, you know, women, you should, you should do this, and you should do that, and you should do this. And then he just says, hey, I got one thing for you. I'm going to keep it simple for you, man. <laughs> Love your wife like Christ loved the church. Yeah. And then I look at what Christ did for the church and who he was and what he humbled himself to be. And basically, we looked in his face and swore at him and spit at him, and he says, I love you. And then he says, now love your wife like that. I'm like, I can't love myself like that. I can, I can be pretty selfish. It's a lack of submission, Paul, for what you teach. <laughs> Something might feel like it sometimes. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, to me, it's one of the harder things is in just how moving it is to realize. Um, I had a speaker once at a, at a conference I went to. It was a weekend, I remember. Um, and they and they put it this way. They said, if if one day Grace and I were, my wife and I were both standing before God, and he's not going to look at my wife, he's going to be looking at me and as the head of the household and like what happened. You know, it's my responsibility to be in, for, for what's happening in my marriage. It's my responsibility to make sure that my kids are raised godly and my wife is, whereas a team, but she's my, my support, just like I talked about in Genesis there. Um, and, 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 and it is. And you know, the, the idea sometimes of, um, I, I think it's all the little tidbits that we pull out of it, right? It, it's like you guys are talking about it. I've, I've mentioned it. It's sometimes you feel like you're, you mean, you're, you know, your car is all tuned up and the alignment's just right and it's going down the road nice and straight. And then sometimes you hit a couple of potholes pretty soon your car wants to just kind of pull one way a little bit and you have to hold it a little bit. It takes a little more effort to keep it centered on the, and it puts a little more strain on you. And to me, I feel like the conference, um, Gives me a new alignment on my marriage. It keeps me, gets me refocusing. It just makes that that much easier to just keep the car. I don't. It's not like laborious to try and keep it as centered. It kind of keeps me refocused on what I should be doing. Um, I know it's you know when you look at um, it's like every, every time Grace and I take some kind of marriage evaluation, we did it when we were engaged. We did it. They had us do it when we were looking at um, adoption. They had us do another one. We always get flagged on our um, money because Grace, Grace is very um, frugal, borderline cheap, and I'm much more the spender. So it's always, you know, it, it'll ask you questions like, what do you find, you know, is it uneasy to talk about this? Do you find, you know, all these different categories? And it's like, yes, and I wish you could put a butt in there. It's like it, I always consider it a blessing because it, Grace and I are different in that aspect, but we're not, I don't treat it, I don't look at it as um, that we bump heads about it. It's more of she makes me more godly because she centers me, so I'm not abusing and um, misspending maybe as much as I would on my own. Um, so it, it's it's when I look at grace as a gift from God, and I struggle with that, the the, the thought isn't then like, that I get frustrated with grace, it's I try and look at it as then as like, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me out of this? Because you gave grace to me, so you didn't give this to me like, watch this, this is going to be funny. <laughs> it's more of like, God's like, I'm going to put this person in your life because she's going to help you grow to become more Christ-like. And, and it, it's things like that that we take away from the conferences, I think, that for me, is this a little tidbits that that then I don't feel like I'm bumping heads with my wife about it. I feel like I'm God is grinding on me and polishing me a little bit more. Um, I, I, I've always enjoyed that aspect of it. So if you're sitting out there and you go, these guys look like they had a good time, <laughs> we did. 
And so if you Google Weekend to Remember, it's from Family Life. Family Life. It's on the shirt, right? There you go, Family Life. I would encourage you to do that. Uh, the next one is in the cities, I think, in March. First weekend of March. There you go. Kirsten and, and I will be going to that one. And so for the people that attend regularly is that if you want to go and it's financially not okay, then you come to us as the deacons because we feel that it's important enough that we want to help you go. So then my, we didn't go because I was maintaining relationships in northern Minnesota. Uh, I wasn't able to go deer hunting and shoot defenseless animals. Although they're not defenseless, but that's a different discussion for a different day. Um, and, and so I wasn't able to give testimony. I'm not able to give testimony about what the retreat is about. But my responsibility within this discussion today is to tie all of this together. Because what is baptism, marriage, and communion, what do they have in common? Do you guys see the underlying thread in all of them? Love. Jesus. <laughs> good safe answers man <laughs> Jesus yes Jesus centers them because when we are what is, what is the church to Christ the bride the body the bride yeah the, um, we are his body in that we manifest, manifest. Why, do, why do pastors use words like that Nobody talks like that. You're watching CNN, and this manifested. No. <laughs> Not that you watch CNN. I think more highly of you guys than that. Um, <laughs> get your news like everybody should off of YouTube. No, that's not wise either. Twitter. Yeah, you get your news. Uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not Twitter any longer. But we as Christ's body, we bring his desires into the world. Just like my hand reveals the desire of my mind, it wants to illustrate. And so that my body is doing what I want it to do, usually, not always. Just a reminder, don't get into arm wrestling match with your wife. Um, <laughs> that's not what happened, but it's a good reminder. Um, <laughs> but we are, his, we are his bride, given to Christ by the Father, and which is... Which is wild. This is, God has made the church to be the bride of Jesus. Well, how, how then do we enter into that covenant with God? Because this is, this is what this is talking about. This is a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. Baptism is a covenant. We interact with the God who keeps his promises. And that's why we have the sermon titled what we have. God's promises. These are God's promises that God is that God is working. He is the one that's moving. He is the one that's shaking. He is the one that takes responsibility in these relationships. You know, like Jason was talking about, we stand before God. God's not going to look to my wife and say, hey, why did your husband mess up? He's going to look to me and say, were you faithful in the responsibility that I gave you to be head over this household, to be head over your wife, to, be, to love her and be responsible for her? He's going to look to me because I don't get to shirk that duty. I don't get to just shove it off and say, I don't want it, God. God says, no, you're a husband. This is your call. The fascinating thing is that's the position that Christ takes. And so in our relationship with Christ, who is head? Me. No. Jesus. He is head. 
He is the husband here. I am called to submit to him. I am called to trust him. I am called to rely on him. And he says, I am the one that's responsible here. I take your sins. I cleanse you. I sanctify you. That's why one of the reasons, well, there's lots of reasons I love this passage. In Ephesians 5, Now husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her. So um, all of you guys have been married for a couple of years, right? Which one of you would say that you're married, when you first got married, that your marriage was better then than it is now? Not if you want to get home. Not if you want to get home. <laughs> That's wise. <laughs> this is how Lindy stayed married this long. You know? <laughs> um, that and a very gracious wife. And, but your marriage, has that gotten better? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. And there we go. And they're, <laughs> they're all going home tonight. But even beyond that, Joe, I think it's not just that my marriage got better. My life has gotten better. My walk with God has gotten better. Me personally has gotten better. I have grown. Um, people who have known Grace for a number of years would say that she has grown. You know, And, and that is just something that as we compliment each other and rub on each other that we, we do. Right? And if you think of marriage as how many strands to marriage? Two or three? Why is there three? Jesus. Amen. Yep. And so this marriage that we have with Christ is initiated by Christ in verse 26, that he might sanctify her. So God's goal, there's two ways to think about sanctification here. One way to think, I'm not used to sitting when I talk. Um, One use of sanctification is that we would become totally his. And that's to be set apart, to be set apart from worldly things for his sake. That is being sanctified. We are now his. The second part of sanctification is that all aspects, all pieces, all portions, all, all, all of the minute in your life, all of the things, whether it's the way that you interact with money or the way that you interact with um, stuff or the way that you interact with your time or your emotional responses to things, Christ wants all of those set apart for him too so that all of you, every little piece and the total might be his. That's what this means. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So where does this marriage become initiated? Now, oftentimes as Westerners, Kirsten and I were just watching something the other day and they said, uh, the person in there said, I'm going to get married for the right reason, for love. And I'm sitting there thinking, no, (laughs) no. Not that love is a bad reason to get married. It's almost right up there with money. Um, you know. So, but why do we get married? Well, what does this look like? Within our culture, it's our will. I want to get married. When I proposed to Kirsten, it's because I wanted to marry Kirsten. And I've told her a number of times, I would ask her again. I would actually be quicker this time and would want the engagement to be shorter. But that wasn't 100% my fault. So, whatever. Um, and just, yeah. We would do this again. And so it was, it was my will. When this was written, that's not the way that marriage worked. 
And so we can't take Western ideas of marriage and say this is the way that marriage works because back in this day and age, it was, it was betrothal. It was set up. It was prearranged. The parents would organize this, and that's why the father gave the church to the son. Not, the, not just that the son wanted to get married to the church. It's the father giving the church to the son. The father presents that bride as the gift to his son. And so this is God working, bringing this all together. He does this through marriage. So one of the reasons that we baptize infants at Hosanna is understanding that model, that the Western model that we fall under right now wasn't the model that they lived under then. But rather, this is God claiming this child for the sake of his son. This is the parents betrothing Eleanor to Christ. Now, is that betrothal? Is that the end? No. It's the beginning. And so this can grow because as these guys, as their marriage has grown, so also also our relationship with Christ should grow. And Christ wants us to put ourselves into it. Now, I have to take responsibility for my wife. Does that remove all of my wife's responsibilities? No. She still has a calling too. She has a calling to trust me. She has a calling to submit to me. She has a calling to honor me. Now, I'm not going to get into a long discussion about the word, word submission. Don't get hung up on that. Paul parallels that with honor. So, you know, think about that. He doesn't parallel it for the men because, like Jason said, he knew that we needed it simple. Love. All right, what am I supposed to do again? Love. <laughs> okay. Just, just like when, you're, when, you know, when your wife has this whole thing and she wants to tell you all about your day and you want to fix it, they'll tell you straight up. Shut up, give her a hug, <laughs> tell her you love her. That's yep. it. Keep it simple. Okay. <laughs> but it, our relationship with Christ is supposed to grow and become more. And that doesn't mean... So, which one of you guys, did, did you, do you think that your marriage improved this weekend? Yes. Hopefully. <laughs> depends on how michelle took it uh, no right. <laughs> so did you guys get married this weekend yes remarried yes or married for the yeah, first remarried. time remarried okay that's different because as our marriage grows that doesn't mean that we enter into a new marriage but rather that that relationship continues to grow it continues to mature and becomes more you know, because within this, the ancient customs, the betrothal happened at a young age. And then, you know, then you had the marriage. And then you had the consummation. And then you had the marriage that continued to grow after that. You had children. You had grandchildren. It, it, it grows and it morphs and it, it becomes bigger. It becomes more. And that's what Christian life is supposed to be. And so with that, we also have communion. Because as these men were asked by the, um, the weekend to remember crowd to renew their covenant, so also communion is that renewal of covenant. So as we, as we come to Christ in communion, Jesus is saying, I would do it again for you. I am doing it again for you. This is me telling my wife, I would ask you again. Even knowing all the stuff that we've been through, I would do it again. Even knowing all of the, well, the 
problem well, within the church it's the problems that you have within our marriage it's the problems i have um <laughs> she doesn't usually tell me she would say yes again i don't know what that means um <laughs> but you know even knowing the problems even knowing the issues even knowing the struggles even knowing the fights even knowing those things jesus is saying i would ask you again i would do this again that's what one of the things that communion is. This is Jesus coming to us and saying, I would do it again. Do you want me again? Do you still want me? For the forgiveness of sins, do you still want this covenant? Do you still want more? Because there's more of Jesus. And that's he's offering himself to us in communion. He's offering us more of him. And so this whole marriage thing, marriage is the illustration that brings all of this stuff together. And is it finally consummated? Well, no, because that happens ultimately in glory when we will see completely, totally. Not that there isn't more yet, but there's more yet even in glory. And that continues to grow. And I'm not going to all the linguistic stuff of that, but whatever. So there's more. There's more here. And so it starts. Where does it start? It starts in baptism. The covenant is initiated and then it continues to grow. And as we, we are called to inject our will into this and interact with this and to grow in this and come to Christ and trust in him and rely on him and submit to him and surrender to him and honor him. And then we're also, you know, as we do that, we do that in communion. That's one of the places that we do that. We do that in Bible study. We do that in our, in our marriages. We do that in every aspect of our life, every little piece and bit. We do this. This is the biblical model. This is how God has this set up. This is what makes sense for the Old Testament covenant and the New Testament covenants. This draws it all together. This is God at work. It's not humanity figured this stuff out. It's not that I took up this responsibility. It's that God said, You're mine. Come to me. Trust in me. Rely on me. Hope in me. Renew this with me. So as we do communion, we are renewing that covenant with God. He's saying, I want you again. And we're saying, God, I want you again. Now when Abraham and God had that covenant, what did Abraham do? He cut all these animals in half, right? Yep. And then what happened? God put him to sleep. <laughs> yeah. What's really ironic is because usually when... When you made a covenant, you would take turn and walk through those animals. And in doing that, you would say, please do unto me what you have done, what I have, what you have done to these animals. So you had the right to kill that other person if they, if they messed up on that covenant. That's how serious a covenant was. And that's how serious the covenant was with God and Abraham. And God made Abraham go to sleep. And who's the one that went through that? Went through the animals? What's that? God himself went through that. He went through that. Went through the animals. Because who broke the covenant? Abraham broke the covenant. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. Is because that covenant was broken with Abraham. And that's what really... it. People always wonder, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Because Jesus had to be cursed because of that covenant way back when with Abraham. And that's what, you know, that's what, you know, if you under, you got to understand what a covenant is and was. 
and the meaning to it and how serious it is. Because that covenant that you make is serious. You know, you have the right to kill me if I don't follow through on this covenant. Is that right, Joe? Yep. Yep, that's... Hey, Doug, love your wife like Christ loved you. (laughs) Or be killed. (laughs) (laughs) Saved by your wife. No, that's... Yeah. So, thank you, Doug. Yes. So, why did God give marriage? Because it's not good for man to be alone. Paul says, God also gave marriage in order to teach us about our relationship with Christ. This is ultimately talking about Christ and the church. The perfect husband for us. So with that, as we conclude here, I'm going to call up Vicki. Because we are going to have a different illustration. Jason, were you going to do it too? Or no? I didn't. I have to go get mine on my vehicle. Oh, okay. Well, then we'll just do it here. So, here we have a renewal of the marriage covenant. And, Lindy, I'm going to have you read your part. And, Vicki, I'm going to have you read your part if you guys want to read together at the top or one of you. Actually, Lindy, why don't you just read the top? It's kind of hard for people to read in concert. In the presence of God, we make this vow, a sacred and lifelong promise, to unconditionally love one another like God loves us, to resist the forces that drive us apart, and to call others toward oneness, think about that, with God and each other. In the presence of God and these witnesses, I joyfully receive you, As God's perfect gift to me, I should be looking at my wife, but I can't read at the same time. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I promise to love you like God loves me. To pursue and preserve oneness, to seek and grant forgiveness, and to die to myself daily. It really should be seconds, but daily. I will respect and support you in good times and bad, forsaking all others as long as we both shall live. In the presence of God and these witnesses, I joyfully receive you as God's perfect gift for me. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I promise to love you like God loves me, to preserve and pursue oneness, to seek and grant forgiveness, and to die to myself daily. I will respect and support you in good times and bad, forsaking all others as long as we both shall live. Do a pen right there. So in this marriage covenant, there is a place, there is a place for a witness. Now they had asked me to be the witness, and, and as I do this, what is what is my role? I'm gonna hold them accountable. Get it right. <laughs> Bucko. (laughs) No, that's not the idea. Rather, I stand here in the place of Christ because ultimately, he is your witness. And so, as this covenant relationship gets renewed, as in Jesus' name, I witness this. Unclicked it for me. I can't even write like that. As Christ now 
approves your covenant. So he stands as witness to these things, ultimately through his body, because remember, as his body, we do his will into this world. We are his hands and his feet. So now, we're going to close in prayer, and then we're going to have communion. Father, we thank you for covenant. I thank you for these men and their, their, their witnessing of what you did for them at the marriage retreat. We thank you for this renewal. We thank you for these reminders. We thank you for these truths that you brought into these families. We pray that you would bless them and bless us through them. Lord, and we thank you then as well for this covenant that you have made for us. Lord, that you are stepping in as head of this relationship. Lord, that you call us to submit and to trust you. Submit to and to trust you. We pray that you would bless us then for the sake of your marriage. Because you are the perfect gift given to us. We need no more than you. And so we look to you. May you be glorified. May you be honored. You are our Lord, our Master, indeed our husband. We thank you for all of these gifts that you have given us, though we do not deserve it, but because you desire us. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.